Hospital and health system trustees are promoting value in their communities by tackling societal factors that influence the health and well-being of their communities. Welcome to Advancing Health, a podcast from the American Hospital Association. I'm Tom Hitterly, senior writer with AHA. Joining Priya Bethesia, AHA's Vice President of Strategic Initiatives, in this two-part podcast are three trustees. Bill Menner, Chair at Unity Point Health, Grinnell Regional Medical Center, and Trustee at Unity Point, Des Moines. Dr. Winfred Parnell, Chairman at Parkland Health and Hospital. And Carolyn F. Scanlon, Vice Chair at Penn Medicine Lancaster General Health and Trustee at Penn Medicine. Though each of them come from a different type of hospital, together they will discuss how their boards have made community health a strategic priority for their organizations, and how they prioritize, collaborate, measure, and fund these important efforts in partnership with community stakeholders. Thank you, Tom. On this podcast, we are going to continue to discuss how trustees can make community health a strategic priority for their organization and how they can move forward on these efforts with others in their communities. On the first part of this podcast, our guests discuss what conversations need to take place in the boardroom, the impact COVID-19 has on these conversations, and the data needed to support conversations around social needs of patients and the broader social determinants of communities. Before we get started on our second part of the podcast, I wanted to share, as I did on the last podcast, that there is no one right way to do this. There is also no wrong way. As you will continue to hear from our guest experiences, the way forward is the way that works best for your community. Thank you for joining us again, Carolyn, Bill, and Dr. Parnell. Let's get started. We ended our first podcast conversation talking about data. There are likely many board members listening to this podcast that are not not yet having conversations around the social needs of their patients and broader social determinants in their communities. How do you recommend they get started? And Dr. Parnell, perhaps we can start with you. Thanks, Priya. Let me just maybe recap a little bit uh, from the first part of the podcast. Now, as board members, again, we are the eyes and the ears of the communities that we serve. And that boards are to govern and not manage and put it in a different way, we're the eyes in and hands out. That being said, the board should be asking questions of, of management about the social determinants of health, specifically for their community. Uh, the conversation should be centered around data, again, for your community, if you will. If your system does not have a separate entity like uh, Parkland has a Parkland Center for Clinical Innovation, I think one of the good places to get started uh, is with a community needs assessment. The Affordable Health Care Act requires that nonprofit hospitals do a community needs assessment. Sometimes that can be somewhat stressful for some organizations that may not be large enough, so you may want to include uh, be a whole region if you will, because the needs for that region will probably be included, and that makes it a little bit easier uh, to manage. And I think if you're due for a community needs assessment, and community needs assessments are not always the same, I think as board members we should be asking management, say, 
we want to include uh, social determinants of health in the community needs assessment so you can get data that's specifically for your community. I think that's, to me, it's all about data and being able to understand that data to move forward. And I think as board members, we should be thinking about that again. We are the eyes and ears of our communities. I think, Bill, uh, how you guys address this in, in your community? Well, it, it's interesting. Again, um, rural versus urban. Um, when it became known that our board was interested in social determinants and playing a role, uh, we had one of our, our uh, internal medicine physicians reach out to us and mention that she was doing some work with some local producers and she was trying to connect some of her patients who had uh, one or more chronic diseases and self-identified as being food insecure, uh, trying to connect them with local farmers and getting them with some healthy fruits and vegetables and proteins um, so that those individuals could start to address those chronic diseases by enhancing both food access and the quality of the food they're eating. And uh, in the middle of um, Iowa, there are lots of places where you can get um, fruits and vegetables and, and nuts and protein um, and, and, and have it delivered to your front door. And in fact, what we did is we supported that physician. We put together a pilot initiative. Uh, she is tracking the impact of, of the, the change to, in essence, uh, a half of a CSA share. And if you don't live in a rural community, CSA is Community Supported Agriculture. And you might get a bag or a box or a carton of uh, fruit and vegetables every week. And what we have done is we've connected those individuals that this internal medicine uh, physician is, is treating, providing them with access to these fruits and vegetables, and just as importantly, uh, helping them with how do you prepare it? What is it that I'm going to do with a rutabaga that's going to make it delicious and good to eat and, and taking that next step? And, and we have lots of partners as we do that. But I think the important thing is we are working with that physician who's generating data, who's going to be able to go back to these patients and future patients and say, here's what happens when you eat better um, and uh, share with policymakers. Here's what happens when folks have enough to eat. Thanks, Bill. Um, and as you take on this work, we know that hospitals can't do all of this alone and that collaboration with other stakeholders and community members is going to be necessary. As trustees, how involved are you in those conversations or decisions around who the hospital will partner with on this work? Carolyn, can you share some experiences there? Uh, I certainly can. And I, I, I want to just stop and pause for a minute because we've thrown around several phrases, and I think that they're all important as we think about who we work with and what we're trying to accomplish. We've talked about population health, community health, and social determinants of health. They're all um, important and key components for how we work within our communities to raise the quality of life, the health, and the well-being of the communities. And so when we think about who we're going to work with as partners, we need to think about all of those elements um, so that we can incorporate them into what we do as a health system within the context of our county. 
So we have joined forces with 30 other community partners to create a health collaborative called Live Well Lancaster County. This is the organization that we work with to do uh, health assessments uh, on a countywide basis together to prioritize and address the health needs uh, as well as the community's needs. This is what we use to meet, as Winfred talked about earlier, the community health improvement uh, needs assessment. So we work with this Live Well Coalition to collect uh, a lot of data, uh, uh, multiple data uh, points around morbidity and mortality data, as well as adult behavioral risk, youth surveys, demographics, social needs, um, and community health uh, stakeholder surveys. From that, um, we are able to come up with a whole list of community needs and community indicators. What's important for us as a board is that we have a board committee called our Mission and Community Benefit Committee, which really does the oversight of all of our community benefit activities. So the data that's collected through this community needs assessment um, and is aggregated by the staff within um, Lancaster General Health, we have a community health and wellness department, will bring this forward to the, the board committee. Now, what's important is that this board committee isn't just made up of board members, but of key um, uh, members of our community who are part of the community partners that we have joined forces with. And so we're able to talk at this board committee about what it is that we found and what our um, uh, priorities should be as we move forward. And so we create a series of community uh, uh, indicators, some goals, um, and then we monitor how well we are addressing those goals and where we're meeting them as a committee and then as a board as a whole. Uh, this uh, leadership commitment um, is pretty important, we think, for how we go about understanding what we, what we have in the community and don't have, what we need to do, and then how well we are uh, meeting uh, the needs that we are doing. Uh, there are three key summaries, I can say, of all of that. Partnerships are powerful. The partnerships are built on trust uh, and the work that we do together. And then we measure our projects and the impact they're having and share the results with all the partners and with the public and the community at large. Uh, that's how we go about looking at, um, as trustees, what we think we need to be engaged in. Um, and I'll turn it uh, to Bill to talk about how they're handling that in uh, his community. Carolyn, it's remarkable. Different scope, different scale, different sized region uh, as far as population. But in fact, we're doing something very similar in our small town. Um, we're calling it Healthy Grinnell. Grinnell, Iowa is where, where we're based. And this was something driven by the board. Uh, and yet it includes the Chamber of Commerce. It includes uh, county public health. Uh, it includes the local um, community service agency. It includes the faith community. It includes some senior living facilities as well. And we're pulling in those partners and those folks as we've talked about previously, who are on the ground 
who are doing amazing things and delivering services, and, and we're supporting them. Um, we have been able to secure a, a little bit of HRSA funding in the form of a grant to expand on that uh, pilot project I mentioned earlier as far as uh, individuals who have a chronic illness and who self-identify as food insecure. We've also gotten some support from a local foundation who have allowed us to target on another end to K through 12 students who identify as food insecure and doing that in a way that allows them to um, maybe avoid some of the distress that comes with being seen um, at school by your peers as being food insecure. So by pulling these partners, by having the business community involved, um, by, by having uh, some of the senior living and uh, uh, facilities and, and folks across the board, um, that those sorts of partnerships, as you mentioned, Carolyn, in, that's how you get things done, whether you're in a big city or a small town. It's by having lots of folks working on the same team, going in the same direction. And then, Carolyn, I think the key for you is being able to quantify what's happening, being able to measure it. And that's something that we're still struggling with. But again, we're very early in the process, and we're hopeful that we can start getting uh, a way to quantitatively rather than just qualitatively measure what we're doing. Thanks, Bill. And I just want to reiterate the point that you made about how all three of your hospitals are very different, yet the approaches that you're taking to address the social needs of your patients and the social determinants of your communities um, are all on the same track, and you're moving in the same direction. And I think it's so interesting and fun from my perspective to hear this conversation and to see that that is happening um, in hospitals across the country. Before we wrap up this podcast, um, as trustees and as hospitals are taking on these conversations, why do you think that they're important and may even be more important as we move into the future? Um, Dr. Parnell? Thank you, Priya. Again, I'm really impressed with my colleagues here. They have different approaches, but I think we're all getting there. Uh, I think, to me, if nothing else, uh, or for no other reason, CMS has recognized the impact of social health, social determinants of health, when they're and they are including that in their overall care of the patient. Let's just talk about some examples. CMS has now got about 12 what we call accountable health care community grants that they've given to look at this particular issue as it relates to cost and quality of care. Uh, at the Parkland Center for Clinical Innovation, we've received one of those grants because we are using social determinants of health with that strong database that we created to have bi-directional communication between the clinical aspects of health care and the community-based organizations. So let me just try to put this in some perspective by just using an example of what, what we are capable of doing. Let's just say that we have a patient who's in our system who shows up at a church food pantry to receive food. That pantry can then recognize that this patient is a diabetic and then say, oh, by the way, we're going to offer you this type of food. In addition, oh, by the way, Mrs. Jones, you missed your appointment for your mammogram last week as well as you may have missed that appointment for that diabetic foot clinic. That's bi-directional 
uh, communication because that information will be seen when that person shows up at the clinic for that foot visit with the foot care, they'll notice that that patient was seen in that church's food bank. So if this works out the way we kind of think it will and CMS confirms what we know, your hospital may be reimbursed based on some social determinants of health. And as board members, again, we are the strategic eyes and ears of our organization. So I think that we should be skating to where the putt's going to be as opposed to where the putt is today. Now, I want to maybe add one more example, if I can, about some things that we have done in terms of uh, working with the health plan. Parkland has a health plan, and they were having problems with kids with asthma showing up in the emergency room and things of that sort. We were able to give the most high-risk patients who were showing up in the emergency room over and over again uh, text messages, and we send text messages to them. And we saw, in particular, one one patient was showing up over and over again. We were able to see this with the data that we were collecting because we have data in the schools, in the primary care clinics, and all that data gets, feed, gets fed back into the, the PCCI system, and we were able to identify this patient. We were then able to get a, a caseworker to go to that person's home. Single parent recognized that this kid was sleeping on a mattress that had mold that was creating the problem of having them go backwards and forward to the emergency room with asthmatic attacks. Well, what happened was we would then, the caseworker then put that patient or that mother of that patient in contact with another community resource that allowed them to bring a new, blank, new mattress into that home, and that kid has not shown up in the emergency room since. Over that period of time, we over the four years, we have been able, uh, PCCI has been able to decrease the the asthma cost by almost 50% for the particular group of people that we were working with and actually saved the health plan $18 million of direct cost savings in that period of time. So that's, you know, having that community base and with the social determinants and connecting the communities has been really important in how we can do health care. And CMS is looking at it, so obviously they have some concerns about it. And one other thing I'd like to plug before I leave is that, you know, the PCCS, PCCI uh, management team has taken a different step in that they have gone and for organizations who have not worked with, uh, embarked on this journey of social determinants of health and connecting them to the healthcare system, we have now written a playbook for connecting communities uh, with the healthcare system. And that playbook is available. And so just a way to get started, and I would say to board members, that may be an opportunity. So in, in closing, for me, I would say that what we need to do uh, as we move forward, we need to have the data to make informed decisions about the quality and cost of care in our communities and recognize that the social determinants of health is one of the driving forces that's making those, that will help us make those decisions. So, again, we need to skate to where the putt's going to be, and we're the eyes and ears of our communities. And I, with that being said, Carolyn, Tell me what you guys are doing and what your thoughts are in this arena. Uh, <clears throat> Winfrey, that was uh, very helpful, and and I'd like to be able to say that we're all attempting to skate to where the puck is. Um, for us, foremost is the importance of committing to the community health improvement and making it the work of our organization and part of our DNA. 
rather than viewing the work that we do in the community as a collection of projects or initiatives, we want to make it integral to who we are, what we are, and what we'll continue to do into the future. We think that this is essential because it takes decades to impact the community health priorities um, and requires that community health be built into all of our ongoing strategic priorities. Um, I've already spoken about the importance of partnerships and that they cannot be overestimated. Uh, that for us, they have a foundation of our community benefit initiatives. And I think as we look to the future, working collaboratively in a community, in a county, in a city, um, really is the way that we can all have meaningful, sustainable impact on our community's health and well-being. Uh, for us, uh, it is a, it's critical for uh, our hospital and health system as a whole um, to recognize that we are on a journey that has no end. Um, and to that, we continue to look at our community. Um, we have just completed another three-year community health needs assessment and have found that our greatest needs in our community continue to be access to care in general, family-sustaining incomes, accessible transportation, affordable and quality housing, safety from violence and adverse child experiences, and food. And so we're embarking on a decades-long project to work uh, within our county with the city and county government to do lead abatement of all of our all of the buildings within the city and the county. We're a fairly old city, and it was remarkable to us, coming from our primary care uh, practices, the pediatric part, to see how many children um, had lead in their system. And so it became for the board a very lengthy conversation about how important it would be to do full lead abatement. That project was supposed to kick off uh, this summer, and unfortunately, the COVID-19 epidemic has slowed us down in that it is difficult to go into people's homes um, and displace them um, during this epidemic. But we intend to begin that uh, as soon as it's safe uh, for everyone. Uh, uh, Bill earlier talked about food insecurity. Uh, and nutritional needs that they're developing in uh, his town and um, community. And we, too, find that that's an important project that the board um, is fully endorsing. And so we're working on expanding uh, our food pharmacies um, and the uh, primary care physicians' nutritional programs. Um, and w rather than having people um, get baskets of food directly from farms, um, which we can also do because even though we are a city, Lancaster has a lot of farms in the county. Um, we're also working on making sure that there are nutritional fresh foods in our corner stores in the city. You know, historically, those stores have had uh, canned and uh, processed products. Uh, we're working with those store owners to make sure that they have um, fresh food and, of course, working uh, with our food banks to do that. The issue for us also is leveraging the full resources and influences of Lancaster General Health 
um, to create change by becoming an economic anchor institution within our, our county so that we can provide significant financial investment and purchasing emphasis within the county, as well as support for these community health improvement projects. We're identifying local, ethical, and diverse businesses so that we can leverage the supply chain to help build local wealth and ultimately impact local health. Um, those are just some of the ways that we see the future um, of how not only will we be providing the clinical care that we do within our uh, inpatient and ambulatory programs, but also um, working on improving the quality of life and the quality of overall health of all the residents in our county. Um, I'd like to leave you that we recognize that there's also uh, so much more to be done in all of these areas. And the most important question that we as a board ask ourselves is what's next? Where do we go from here? And how do we continue on the journey uh, that never ends uh, to make sure that our community is as healthy as it can possibly be? So those are the, the, the future um, activities uh, and lessons we think that we'll be um, employing in our county as we go forward. And I think it matches um, what Bill uh, and Winford have both spoken about. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. I, I agree with you. And it is a long journey ahead. And as you stated, you know, where you start is looking at what comes next. And it is so inspiring to see the journey that all three of you are on in addressing the health needs of your communities. So Carolyn, Bill, and Dr. Parnell, I can't thank you enough for joining us and sharing your experiences and insights on this important topic. I think this is going to be extremely helpful to our trustees as they have these conversations now and into the future. So thank you again, and back to you, Tom. Thank you.